listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Um, I want to jump in because I definitely have some things to talk to you about. I can already see people are going back and forth in the comments uh, about tribulation, persecution, all the stuff that we're talking about. Uh, If you've watched this broadcast for any period of time, you know that um, it's my belief from Scripture, and we've given you in the past seven reasons why from Scripture, that I don't believe that Christians will go through any part of the tribulation. And we're talking about what's talked about and listed in the book of Revelation. Um, I don't believe by any means that Christians are appointed unto wrath and the tribulation that's described in the book of Revelation is, without a doubt, the wrath of God. I was actually talking to somebody about this not long ago, and um, they didn't necessarily believe that the all seven years of the tribulation was the wrath of God. Um, but I said, look at it. If you study it in the scripture, one of the things you'll find, and it's interesting, is all of the things that take place, all of them, all of them, they begin in heaven. You understand that? They all begin in heaven, whether it's the bowls or the seals or trumpets, whatever the judgments are, you know, the seals, the bowls, the trumpets, they all begin in heaven. They don't start on the earth. They don't come from hell. They're all in heaven. And one of the things we need to understand is whether it's the very beginning, whether it's all the way through to the to the last half, everything starts in heaven. Why is that? Because God is pouring out his wrath on those on the earth who have rejected Jesus Christ as savior. And that's why I don't believe, I mean, that's not the only reason, but that's one of the main reasons that we understand that that's not for us. That's not for us. By the way, God is not pouring out his wrath right now. In case anybody was wondering, if anybody was confused, we're not living in the time frame right now where God is pouring out his wrath. We are still living in what is known as the dispensation of grace, where God is giving us a space of grace to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to see people saved and changed before it's too late. In fact, uh, the urgency of this time is described by Jesus. If you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 9 and verse 4, the Bible says we must, and Jesus is saying this to his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day or while it's still day. For the night is coming where no man can work. And so that that lets us see and know that the gospel and the work of the gospel is a limited time offer. So Jesus says that there's a time coming, which he refers to as the night. The night is coming where no man can work. Well, what work is he referring to? He's referring to the work that he and his disciples 
are doing. The work of preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and what he equips believers to do after his resurrection. To preach the gospel to every creature. Then he that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that doesn't believe will be damned. So we're in, hey Ben, God bless you buddy. We are in that time that Jesus is speaking of where it's still daytime, where we can work the works of God, where we can preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. However, that time is going to come to a close. It's going to come to an end. And when that time comes to a close or comes to an end, the church will be removed from the earth. Now, obviously, it's my... uh, um, it's my belief that as Paul def- uh, was describing to the Thessalonian church, the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist is held back by a restrainer. And when the restrainer is moved out of the way, then the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit can begin to do what it will do. But I believe that the restraining force is the church filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Hey, Tina. Hey, Daryl. So understand this. Once we're removed, see, I've explained this before, that we are the salt and we are the light. We are the only thing keeping back rot from this world. We're the only thing holding back darkness. We are the light. We are the salt. But once we're gone, then there'll be a free reign of the Antichrist and God will be pouring out his judgments upon the earth. And once again, all of them start in heaven. Whether they're the seals, the bowls, the trumpets, they all begin in heaven. So I want you to see this. It is God who's pouring out his wrath during that time of tribulation described in the book of Revelation. And that's why I don't believe we'll be here. Why? Here's the question. Why would God pour his wrath out upon his own children that have by faith received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. There's no reason. See, God took our sins and placed them on Christ's body on the cross. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So he literally took our sins upon his body Though he never sinned, he became our sins. Why? So that in exchange, you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, God already punished Christ for our sins. Think about that. And, and let, me, let me show you this. I want you, to, um, uh, I want you to put this in the comments uh, so that you keep it in your mind. God already punished Jesus for our sins. It's a powerful thought, man. Now I want you to put it in the comments. God already punished Jesus for our sins. That's a massive, massive point that as Christians, we have to understand. God already punished Jesus for our sins. He took our punishment upon his body. He nailed our sins to the cross of Calvary. He took that punishment so that we would not have to take the punishment. And so uh, the fact that we understand that is, is so vital because if the punishment has already been laid out, 
then it, it would not be just nor fair for God to then punish us again for sins we've already been forgiven from, right? Think about that. Because we're not appointed unto God's wrath, why aren't we? Because we received Christ's sacrifice by faith. He took our punishment. So because the debt for our sins has already been paid, then there's nothing left for us to pay. You realize that. You wouldn't go to a restaurant and order your meal, and then when you finish eating your meal, they bring you the bill and say, here's your bill for the meal. You say, okay, here's my credit card, go charge it, whatever, my debit card. And you go and you pay, and they come back with, here's your receipt. And then five minutes later, they come back again and say, here's your bill for your meal, we need you to pay. You'd look at them like they were insane. You'd say, no, no, I already paid uh, the bill. They say, no, we want you to pay again. Well, I'm not paying again. Why? Here's the receipt. It's already been paid for. So I'm not, I don't have to pay again for something I've already paid for. And the same is true for us. We are not required to pay for our sins because Jesus has already paid the bill. His blood and this word are the receipt for the debt that was paid. We don't have to pay it again. And so that time of God's wrath that will be seen and poured out on the earth for those who rejected Christ's sacrifice, that's not for us. That is not for us. We are not appointed under wrath, Paul said. We are those who have been set aside for the grace of God. And now, because we accepted by grace through faith uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, we accept the fact that the bill is paid in full. And so if we're talking about the tribulation, the seven-year period called the tribulation, I don't believe by any means that any Christian will have to experience any portion of that tribulation period where God pours out his wrath upon the earth. Now, there are some Christians that believe that we will experience half or all of it. You know, those that hold a mid-tribulation thought process on the rapture or a post-tribulation rapture theory, they believe we'll be there for half of it or all of it. I don't believe that. In fact, one of the things that I'll just mention quickly before we get into talking about persecution, um, because I find this extremely interesting, if we are literally the apple of God's eye, I mean, I want you to think about this. If we are the apple of God's eye, we are his chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. I mean, Jesus' blood was shed for us because God loved the world so much. If he cares that much about us, why would the most descriptive passage in the Bible describing what's going to happen during the great tribulation which is Revelation chapters 4 through 19. The most, dep- the most accurate description uh, and full description of the tribulation in the whole Bible. Why is the church never mentioned one time? Explain why. That during all that that's being told by God, wouldn't he give us 
instruction about what to do. You know, I think about, um, I think about the movie. If you guys have ever seen it, remember the movie taken with Liam Neeson, throw a hand in the comments. If you remember that movie and, uh, you know, he was a government agent and, you know, now retired or whatever. And his daughter goes on that trip with her friends to Europe. And you remember that when they get to that, that apartment, that flat, I believe they're in France. Um, they have that issue where those that are coming to like traffic, the girls are coming to take the girls from the flat. And, uh, she runs around and calls her dad. You remember she calls her dad and, uh, he's on the phone and her dad immediately knows that she's in extreme danger. She's in extreme danger. But remember her dad with his experience and his knowledge, he says, I want you to go to one of the guest bedrooms. I want you to get down on the floor and I want you to hide under one of the beds. Uh, they're going to come to take you. He said, but I want you to make it hard on. I want you to hide under one of the beds. Don't make a sound, but keep the cell phone on. And so she's in there hiding under the bed. Her, her father's giving her instructions as the uh, terrorists are there taking them. And then he says, when they start to pull you out from under the bed, he says, I want you with, leave your phone on. I want you to begin to describe everything you can see about your attacker, about the one who your abductor, just start describing everything, hair color, how tall, eye color. If there's any scars on the face, tattoos, whatever, start describing as fast as you can. Well, what was her dad doing? Her dad who loved her was giving her even in a time where he knew that something was coming. Uh, evil was coming. Harm was coming uh, to her. He sat there and gave her instructions because he loved her, gave her instructions about what to do through that entire issue and through that entire uh, process. And so think about that. That's what any good father would do. Any good father, if he knew danger was coming, if he knew there was trouble coming, would do as much as he could to not just uh, direct his children, but give them those kinds of instructions that would hopefully get them out of that danger and out of that trouble, right? Any good father would do that. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, why did God not do that? Jesus describes him in Matthew chapter 7 as a perfect, loving heavenly father. He says, if you uh, earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? And so he's describing the perfection of our loving heavenly father. If that's the case, and God not only knows that it is going to happen, but he's the one pouring it out, Here's the question. Why would he, as a perfect, loving, heavenly father, not give us any instructions in his word about what we're to do, how we're to conduct ourselves, where we should go, what we should say, what we should do? Why is there not any instruction? Not any. Not any. And let me let me say something interesting to you. 
The rest of the New Testament, if you'll notice, the rest of the New Testament is just filled with instructions for believers on how they should live, what they should do, how they should behave. You you know that, right? The book of Acts is a narrative about how the early church did it, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then all of the epistles written by Paul, James, Peter, you know, all of them are just instruction after instruction after instruction about how believers should conduct themselves, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, how they should talk, how they, how they should think, how they should act, how they should be with money, how they should be in relationships. Is it not weird to you that the pattern of God's word from the, the whole New Testament, which is written to us, is here's how Jesus lived after he anointed his church, book of Acts, Here's how the apostles in the early church lived and what they did. Now epistles, here's how you should live and what you should do. And then book of Revelation, silent. Doesn't that, isn't that weird to you that if we were going to be here during the worst possible time in, in the, on the face of the earth in history, we go from all this heavy duty instruction and narrative about what Christians should do, where they should go, how they should talk, how they should think, how they should behave, all that extremely specific, and then you go to nothing, silence. Doesn't make sense. And it's one of the main reasons that I believe that Christians will not be on the earth during the seven-year period of the tribulation as described in the book of Revelation. I don't believe it at all. I don't believe it at all. But see, the tribulation is not our topic of conversation for this broadcast, but it is persecution. So let me, let me make a distinction here. And there are, there are those that are far more intelligent than I am that have written books on this, but I can't say that I agree with them all, even though they have uh, PhDs after their name or doctorate of divinity or whatever it might be. I can't agree with them. Um, for example, there's this thought process where they make no distinction between the wrath of God coming on an unbelieving world and the persecution of evil men on the church, those that are serving the Lord. If you can't see the difference between God pouring out his wrath as punishment and evil men with an antichrist agenda persecuting God's children while they are here on the earth, there's a massive problem. If you, for example, if you can't tell the difference uh, between God pouring out his wrath as we see in the book of Revelation, the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments, the seal judgments. If you can't see the difference between those things and then, for example, extreme Islamic radicals cutting off the heads of Christians in Muslim nations, you have a problem if you don't see the difference between those two things. Because are you truly going to argue that when jihadists, extreme radical Muslims cut the heads off of Christians, 
Are you really going to say, well, that's God's judgment on the earth? Is that what you believe? Do you honestly believe that that's God's judgment being poured out? Because if you do, you don't understand God. Because as I just explained, why would God use jihadists to punish his children who've already repented of their sins? Doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's a gross misinterpretation of the scripture. No, that's not God's judgment. And as Pastor Jordan Bradford points out, the first century church all the way to the third century church until what was known as the peace of the church suffered extreme torture and persecution. They were killing them, beheading them, crucifying them, feeding them to wild animals, burning them at the stake, boiling them in oil. If you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll read some stories that are insane about what took place with Christians giving their lives for their faith. And it's still happening today. There are still many stories of persecution and martyrdom today. However, let's make a massive distinction here. Those are not the wrath of God. They are not the wrath of God at all. In fact, if I'm hopefully I'm, I'm breaking this down for you um, simply enough so you can see the difference of what I'm talking about, the wrath of God versus the persecution of men. They're completely different things, completely different things. Both will happen, but both are not God. So let me show you, go to Matthew chapter 10. I want you to, I want you to see this. This is a prophecy of Jesus Christ himself. prophecy of Jesus Christ. And I want you to, I want you to see this. Norman in New Brunswick says not only Christians, but Muslims were doing this to other Muslims because they couldn't quote uh, different scriptures from the Quran. Uh, And yeah, obviously it is evil. It is, it is evil, but I want you to see this with me now. Matthew chapter 10 And uh, I'm going to show you what the Bible says about it, what Jesus prophesied about this. Now, look, let's start with verse 16, Matthew 10, 16. Bible says, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Then they, when they deliver you over, don't be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say. For what you are to say will get, be given to you in that hour. Verse 20. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father his child. The children will rise against parents and have him put to death. Now look at verse 22. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. So let let me jump down to verse 25 or 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house, 
Beelzebul, that's Jesus. If they call Jesus the devil, how much more will they malign those of his household? So catch this. I love this. Hey, Tony, Jesus is saying you will be hated all over the world for my name's sake because you're my disciples. So here's the prophecy. You'll be hated by people with an antichrist spirit without question. We see that clearly today. It's not a mystery. It's not some kind of mystery. We're seeing it happen right now. I mean, in America, we've gone beyond uh, that place where you can argue that it's anything other than religious persecution. It's not about coronavirus. It's not about COVID-19. It's not about safety. It's not about health regulations. It's now just extreme persecution. Whatever happened to the separation of church and state, whatever happened to religious liberty, whatever happened to religious freedom, you understand that? It's (laughs) somebody with an unpronounceable name wrote on Periscope, Christianity is a mental illness because they're not actually familiar with what a mental illness is. Um, Look in the mirror. Anyway, you understand what's going on right now. It's already persecution. It's already persecution. You can't tell me that going to California and having them tell you, you can't worship God as is described in his word. Hear what I'm saying to you right now. They are now trying to redefine how you can worship God. You realize singing in church is not a luxury. We are commanded to do that. Commanded to do that. Old and New Testament, commanded to do it. So it's like, you can't just like, well, you know, right now we can't sing in church. I mean, that is just kind of a luxury. It's not a luxury. It's a commandment. It's part of our command in scripture. You didn't know that? You know, you go in the Old Testament, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing a new song unto God. You go into the New Testament. Let me show you what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians. It's not just Old Testament. Look at the book of Ephesians. Because this is powerful, man. You need to catch this. The Bible says, verse Ephesians 5.15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of time, the days are evil. Don't be foolish, understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, don't get drunk with wine, that's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't say sing alone. It says address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So don't tell me that singing in church is a luxury. It is something I'm commanded to do in the word of God. And for the government to tell the the Christian community in any place in the United States of America that we can't do what the scripture tells us to do, you are now infringing directly upon the rights, the religious rights and liberties of the American people. Lost your mind. You have lost your mind. Yeah, give me chapter and verse for that. El Chapagoi, El Chapito, 13 nut job that doesn't even understand the word of God. It also says the best relationship with the Lord is by yourself in your own home. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When the Bible commands you to gather together as believers, you genius. 
got absolute nut jobs, don't even understand anything about Christianity or the Bible, trying to make have commentary. You rocket scientist. We're commanded to gather. We're commanded to sing. We're, let me go further than that. Social distancing. We're commanded to lay our hands, to touch people, to touch sick people. Read the book of James chapter 5. Read Mark chapter 16. We are commanded to lay our hands upon sick people. Social distancing. You've lost your freaking mind. Religious liberties being infringed upon, and you've got Christian people that are laying back and laying down, just laying it down. Here, please, take my religious liberty because I'm stupid. Instead of standing up, if you can't see, like Governor Cuomo in New York, who just allows all protests on the street, Black Lives Matter, everybody else, packed together, shoulder to shoulder, breathing on everybody, freaking out, people naked in the street, mooning the cops. Oh, that's fine. We're not going to restrict that because it's extremely important. But churches can't gather together. You've lost your mind. If you can't see the disparity there, if you can't see that that's extreme targeted religious persecution, you're a fool. You're a fool. And in California, and I clap my hands for Dr. John MacArthur and his church. If you don't know, if you don't know, in California decided to meet anyway with a packed house the packed house. I don't even believe everything he believes. I mean, he's a Southern Baptist. He doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. He doesn't believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. He doesn't believe in women preaching the gospel. I don't believe, you know, a ton of things he believes, but I clap my hands for his faithfulness that without being filled with the Holy Ghost, without even believing in signs, wonders, and miracles, he had the spiritual fortitude enough to stand up and do what Pentecostals wouldn't do. Got Pentecostals laying down, keeping their churches closed. And here's a Southern Baptist that doesn't believe in speaking in tongues, miracle signs, wonders, doesn't believe in prophecy, doesn't believe in private revelation, doesn't believe in women preaching, and standing up with more boldness than Pentecostal people cowering in their little holes until the government cut the power to his church. You tell me that's not religious persecution. You don't, you have no freaking clue what's going on in America. No clue. No clue. So I applaud the man and I don't even agree with him. I don't even agree with his doctrine whatsoever. I mean, most of it. (laughs) I applaud the man. Thank God for him. I had some stupid person. See, here's how stupid most Christians are. I'm going to tell you. Please tune in on this one and hit the share button. Because this is how stupid and petty some people are. I applauded him publicly on social media. Even though I've said many times I don't agree with his doctrine. And you've got some idiot that gets on social media. I can't applaud this man because he's just all about the headlines. (laughs) Stupid. 
I literally, my wife shared it and somebody wrote back and said, I don't know if I can really agree with you there because he doesn't believe in women preachers. Get your mind wrapped around the actual context of what we're talking about. You shallow fool. I don't know if I can agree with that. Obviously we don't agree with his cessationist mentality or the fact that he doesn't believe in women preaching the gospel. However, he has the spinal cord to do what Pentecostal people refuse to do. A lot of people have a lot to say on their Twitter feed and their churches are still closed. Stupid. What a, what a horrible thing that they're doing in California. Yeah, but you live in a state where your government has, your state government has said you can open your church and your church is still closed. So why don't you just delete your account? Delete your freaking account because you're full of empty words. You got, you got people in, in places, their state government said, it's totally fine to open up your church, open up your church and have church. And they've announced we're not going to be reopening until 2021. You don't give a crap about what the Bible says. Dumb. Absolutely dumb. And instead of Christians banding together like they should, you got dummies like that in the comments like, well, I don't know if I can stand with what he's doing because he doesn't believe in that. Don't even understand that their own religious liberties are being stripped out of their hands because they're too weak. They're too weak to stand up and do what they should do. That's persecution. It's not having your head cut off but it's having your religion shut down by the government. Let me tell you something. My, my church, my religion, my ministry is not a small business. It's not a corporation. It is a religious entity. You know, there is a difference because here, here's what they said. Um, well, you know, the, this is what the state government said. Well, you know, uh, this is what we said we would do to any business that kept their kept their business open uh, after the uh, the mandate from the state. Church isn't a business, you genius. It's it's our we have a right we have a constitutional right to worship unhindered, completely unhindered. And when you look at what's going on, how the virus has pretty much disappeared basically has disappeared. Almost everybody is asymptomatic. Their survival rate is over 99%. I mean, it's insane. Do you realize back when H1N1 was going on in 2009, there were like, we're still behind that death toll by like 50 to 60 million deaths. Does anybody remember masks coming out in 2009? Does anybody remember a lockdown? Does anybody remember a quarantine? No. No, absolutely not. And the death toll was far, far, far more. If you think that this is about a virus, <laughs> ooh, somebody's getting mad on Periscope in their mom's basement, sitting around in their underwear eating Cheetos. <laughs> Oh, now I'm full of it. 
absolute fools, sheep, stupid people don't understand that it has nothing to do with the virus. Yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. Absolute fool. If you think that this is about a virus, it's not. It is absolutely not. It is simply not. You look through history. Look through the last 20 years in this nation. We've had things that are far worse. We've never had these measures ever, ever, ever. Oh, and I'm sure it just so happens that it's on an, uh, an extremely important presidential election year when the economy was doing phenomenal. That's why I post things so you guys can see them. When the investigative journalist read the Rockefeller Report in 2014, and it described this entire thing exactly and perfectly. Everything about it. Everything about it. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure you're not getting mad. That's why you're cussing me out on Periscope. You genius. Dumb. Absolutely dumb. It's all about taking control. Do you know how dumb people are? They have publicly, doctors have publicly said that masks, paper masks, do absolutely nothing to stop the spread of the virus. Absolutely nothing. They've said it publicly. I mean, Dr. Fauci wouldn't even keep his mask on at the game, at the Nationals-Yankees game where he threw the opening pitch. They have pictures of him in the stands sitting right next to people with his mask down around his neck. Even Dr. Fauci doesn't keep his mask on, you genius. It's all a lie. It's a lie. They do nothing to stop the spread of the virus. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <clears throat> well, that, and that's an exactly perfect point. Carissa said, if they did, there would be a specific mask they'd be mandating. When they tell you that you can just, any kind of facial covering that you have is fine. When you can go into public with a napkin from Taco Bell, like my friend did, with a USB cord tied around your head, you know that it has absolutely nothing to do with a face mask. If the government is fine with a McDonald's napkin and a USB cord holding it up, you know that it's absolutely about just control. That's all it is. People are too dumb to actually see it or too weak to stand up against it. They just are. They just are. And so you're already seeing persecution. You're already seeing persecution of the, of, of the religious liberties of the church. You're already seeing it. They're shutting churches down. Yeah. Denise said, I love when people pull their mask down to sneeze or cough. I mean, like, here's how dumb people are. This is how dumb people are. Wear your mask as you come into the restaurant, but then when you get to your table, you can take it off. If you believe that that does anything, you are extremely stupid. Like, extremely stupid. Yeah, because only that area there around the door, around the, um, the uh, hostess, that's the only area really where Corona is. It stays right there by the hostess stand. You, there's no way you could actually spread Corona from your table. There's no way you could do that. 
People are dumb as bricks, but they just walk in line. Oh, let me, let me, let me do what they're saying. Cause it must work. Stupid as can be. And people lay down and just accept it. I used to think people would never take the mark of the beast if they were still here. Now I'm not so sure. People are so dumb that it'll be packaged in some kind of a convenience that they'll be like, you know what? We all, we all need that. We all need that mark. It's actually a pretty good thing. Yeah, exactly. Like Zach said, coronavirus can only be contracted in the standing position. People are so foolish that they think that this stuff's all true. No, it's true. As long as you, you know, it's like, I remember going into the gym when my gym reopened and that this was their rule. Well, you got to wear your mask coming in, but then when you get out onto the gym floor where you're working out, you don't have to wear a mask. Oh, so where I'm sweating and spitting and breathing hard, that's where I don't have to wear a mask. Not when I'm walking in the door completely uh, fine and, you know, but when I get out onto the gym floor where I'm, you know, heavily breathing and sweating and spitting, and that's when the mask can come off. That's the stuff that should show you that people are insane and they believe it. They absolutely believe it. Wear it coming into the Met restaurant and then take it off when you get to your table. You're an idiot. How about that? You're an idiot. And, and we're already seeing persecution. The question is, see, because people hear the word persecution and they think it always has to be someone dying. They think it always has to be somebody dying, being beheaded, burned at the stake, whatever. But it doesn't have to just be that. Notice what Jesus prophesied in Matthew, in Matthew 10. He said, you'll be delivered over to the court systems. You'll be delivered over. Father will give up his children. Children will give up their parents. You're seeing people now turning each other in. I mean, literally. You're seeing people turn each other in now. There's numbers you can call to turn people in, be a snitch. It's already a thing. There's already, there's been persecution for Christians since the first century. And it was extreme for the first three centuries. What we see now in America isn't even close. What, but we are seeing extreme persecution in other nations of the world. What about what's been going on in China right now? where they're coming into people's homes and saying, if you want uh, relief, if you want government assistance and relief uh, during this COVID lockdown, you have to take down all of your Christian paraphernalia and worship the president of China. How about that? Tell me that that is not extreme persecution. You can't have help. You can't have assistance. You can't have food. Can't have any of those things unless you take down your Christian paraphernalia. Denise said some states have websites to turn people and businesses in for not following mandates. Completely unconstitutional mandates. And people don't even care. I mean, it blows my mind that people don't even care about the Constitution. There's an attorney here uh, in, in, that's come through Florida named Sabatini who's actually filing lawsuits on behalf of individuals for their uh, state or county. He actually filed a lawsuit I saw online against Key West, who had the most extreme mask policy in the United States of America. 
that was basically like, if you come out of your house with, uh, without a mask, you get six months, up to six months in prison, filed a lawsuit against the city. Insane stuff going on. And you got Christians that are just laying down. Reconditioning centers in China. I mean, like, and so that's why I clap my hands and applaud men and women of God that won't bow their knee. They won't sit there and be quiet while these things are going on. Churches that have not shut their doors, that are staying open, that are preaching the gospel. I thank God for men and women are doing that. Ohio threatening jail time and fines. <clears throat> People don't understand the, the importance and the power of the Constitution, which is why they don't stand up for it. You've got a whole young generation that believes socialism is the answer because they've been lied to, completely lied to. Debbie's watching from Tomball, Texas, where I just was. God bless you, Debbie. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. There's already persecution in America like we've never had before from the government. But if we don't stand up, there'll be more. There'll be more. Now, I'll encourage you with this thought. Maybe I'll play it before the end. That prophecy that the Lord had me give in September of last year in Pittsburgh, Washington, Pennsylvania, that encourages me because the Lord said he was going to drape his anointing, his glory, and his power over this nation again and give us another space of grace to preach the gospel, to win the loss, to see revival hit America. So I don't have a dim outlook for America. I don't. I don't have a gloom and doom outlook for America. I have a faith-filled outlook for the United States of America. I believe with all my heart that the power of God is hitting this nation and that this year is going to be the greatest we've ever seen as it finishes. And it's going to lead us into to years where we're going to see the glory of God. If Jesus tarries, we're going to see the glory of God at work question I wanted to ask to you is this, do you have to believe as a Christian that you will, that there's nothing to guard you against dying for your faith? Do you have to believe that? That's a question. Because when you talk about uh, the thought process of persecution, people always take it to the nth degree, which is dying for your faith. The question I want to ask on this broadcast before we pray at the end is, do you have to believe that there's nothing because it was per persecution was prophesied that there's nothing that will stop uh, martyrdom or being killed for your faith if it comes to that? And my answer to that is, I do not believe that you have to die for your faith, that there's nothing to protect you against it. I don't believe that that's the case. I don't believe that's the case. I, I do believe, <laughs> still angry on Periscope, really, really mad because he can't move out of his mom's house and get his own apartment, can't get his uh, video games to work in the basement. So he's just angrily on, on Periscope commenting in his whitey tighties, in his Superman whitey tighties. The question is, do you have to die? And my, my question, my answer to that is, I don't believe so, according to scripture, according to what we've seen. I believe God can supernaturally protect you from death. Yes, 
it's it's prophesied that you will be hated all over the world for his name's sake. No question about that. We're seeing that today. There is an antichrist spirit. Yes, there is. There really is a hatred for God's people without question. We know there is. Okay, so that's already come to pass. It came to pass from the very beginning of the church. So we know you'll be hated. We know we'll be hated. Will we be uh, persecuted uh, legally? Absolutely. Said you'll be dragged into the synagogues, turned over to the courts. We know that. We just saw this year, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown arrested in Tampa, Florida for having his church open, even though he had all, uh, he went above and beyond to pay, what, over $100,000 to have the church professionally sanitized and buy those machines to sanitize and refilter the air, and then social distance and everything else, still arrested, and then had people firing guns into his church building. And so, <laughs> and so we know that it's happening without question. We know that it's happening. Go beyond that, what we just saw in California. They cut the power to Dr. MacArthur's church, which is that you can't group that in with a business or small business or corporation. Because a business and a small business, a corporation is not a religious entity with religious liberties. So they've done that. They're arresting pastors. They're cutting power to churches. What's next? You're going to come in and drag Christians out of their church and drag them off to jail? Is that what you're going to do next? Out of their houses of worship? I dare you to do that to Muslims out of their mosques. I dare you. See, the government doesn't have the balls to do that kind of stuff. They don't. They shut down Jews. They shut down Christians. And then just like Spineless Cuomo did in New York City during Ramadan, preparing food for the Muslims. Because they don't have the cajones to do that to Muslims and drag them out of mosques. Guarantee it. They won't do it. But you know why? Is because... Islam is an antichrist uh, religion that operates with an antichrist spirit. So it's the same, same team, same team. You don't have to do it to them, but they wouldn't do it to them if they could. They don't have the guts to do it. See, they take advantage of Christianity because it's a religion of peace, <clears throat> not founded by a warlord like Islam. And so you can't, you can't shut down the church, but they don't care. People don't care that it's unconstitutional. They don't care that they're treading all over the constitution that people shed their blood for overseas and here in this nation, that people died and gave their lives for this nation to be free, but they don't care because they're operating with an antichrist spirit, an antichrist agenda. And if you look at the way the world's going, according to Bible prophecy, a one world global system has to be set up, which you cannot have without strong independent nations going down. You can't have strong independent nations like America and have a one world government. Doesn't work. You have to tear down strong nations and make them dependent before you can have a one world government.
And it's all part of this, all part of it. If you think they're worried about the virus, take a look at the protests. Take a look at the peaceful protests going on all over the nation. If you think the government's worried about the virus, if it was a truly dangerous pandemic, do you not think that they would have police in every city stopping that dangerous, dangerous protesting where people are marching through the streets shoulder to shoulder with no masks on and just out doing their thing. If it was a truly dangerous pandemic, do you think they'd be allowing that? Absolutely not. We've been fed lies. We've been fed lies. So you can have like 9,000 people in the street shoulder to shoulder, but you have to have 25% capacity of a church building. We've been fed lies and people have believed it all over America, all over the world. You know, it's time to wake up, man. It's time to wake up and understand this is all stemming from an anti-Christ, anti-God agenda. They want to silence the church. Do you realize in the last election, more evangelical Christians voted than in the history of this nation? We turn the tide. And they're ticked about it. They are absolutely ticked off about it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see it happen again. They don't want to see it happen again. But look at Old Testament and New. God protected his people from death. Even in the Old Testament, when they didn't have a covenant that was as good as the one we have now, according to Hebrews, God protected David from his enemies. He protected Elijah from his enemies, protected Elisha from his enemies, the people of Israel from their enemies. Amen. In the Old Testament, he protected them. Do you think Jesus only died on the cross? You think that was the only time they tried to kill Jesus? There were two other times at a minimum that they list in scripture where they picked up stones to stone him and kill him, but they couldn't kill him. They also tried to run him up a a hill and push him off of a cliff to plummet to his death. And the Bible says he passed right through the crowd. God will protect you from death. There was a man, if you're familiar with Pastor John Hagee, there was a man that walked right into John Hagee's church while he was preaching, came down the center aisle and fired off a full clip of bullets right at him at the pulpit. When forensics got there, they looked at the, the place where the man was standing and the bullet holes in the wall. They're able to trace the flight path of the bullet. And they told him multiple shots should have gone through your body, Pastor Hagee. We don't know how you were not shot. Pastor Heggie's not dead today. He's alive. He didn't die because that man with an antichrist spirit came in to kill him with a gun in his church. I'm telling you, just because they hate you, just because there is an antichrist spirit, just because there is persecution, doesn't mean you have to die. Some have, some have passed away. And the Bible says that there's actually a blessing for those who give their life for the gospel's sake. There is a blessing for those people. You understand? So, you've got to realize that although there is hatred, although there is persecution, although there are people operating in an antichrist spirit, two things I want you to hear. Number one, people will hate you but that doesn't mean they can kill you. People have died. 
I'm not saying they haven't. I'm not saying martyrdom hasn't happened. But I believe that if you're operating in a purpose from God, if you're doing what God's called you to do, I believe that you can trust the Lord from what I see in scripture. I believe you can trust the Lord to protect you and take care of you while you're carrying out your purpose on the earth. They may come after you. I could tell you testimony after testimony of people that have been spared from murder, including my own family, my own family, my own uncles attacked, but you can't kill. You can't kill somebody that's operating on a mission. And uh, I believe you can believe God for protection from scripture. No question about it. And then number two, I want you to hear this once again. I do not believe any believer, any Christian will go through any part of the tribulation, not any part. Let me play this for you real quick, because I want you to understand that I have a faith. I have a faith, and I know you do, to believe God that this is going to be the greatest six months of a year we've ever had. And I want you to see this real quickly. I want you to see this prophecy one more time to build your faith. And let you hear what the Lord spoke to us in September of last year. And then I'll come back. We're going to pray. But watch this real quick and let it build your faith and give you an expectation for what's about to happen. Watch this with me. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Magnify the Lord. Magnify him with your mouth. Thank him that he's good. That his mercy endures forever. Fukashata rabando rokosta sai. Brakeli kashondo rakezdi abroshtanai. Opa shegia prosendike ko jateme horake zemoya she barasa labo barake zemarokone kera sarakosha ma ha ha shi parayo Harakeji Se Marado Kofi, come hold this microphone. The Lord says, I have covered this nation and given you a space of time. And I extend that space. And as this coat covers this pulpit, I am covering this nation again. And you'll even begin to see through the end of this year and next year that a new door of opportunity opens once again for America to preach this gospel. For Jesus is coming. And my church has prayed and I've heard their prayer. And I'll not allow the evil that has tried to set up underneath the scenes of this nation, take control. For as this pulpit is covered by this coat, I cover America once again with my glory and my grace. And you shall see revival hit this land. You shall see souls saved. You shall see people baptized in the Holy Ghost. You shall see miracles, signs, and wonders. You shall see the wicked come to nothing. And you shall see the righteous prevail. You shall see my glory. My great glory. That is unmatched. For there is no one like me, says the Lord. 
There is no one like me. And you'll see my mighty hand of victory sweeping through this nation. And no antichrist agenda and no antichrist system will be able to stop what I'm about to do. We'll be able to hinder my mighty right hand. For I cover this nation with my glory and with my power and with my grace. And I open up a door of opportunity once again unto you. So press in, says the Lord. Press into my power. Press into my glory. Press into my anointing. For this is your time as my church and my body to see my power revealed one more time before Jesus comes back. And he is coming soon. Praise the Lord. And so that was a prophecy that went out uh, September in Washington, PA. I I felt that so strongly hit me that we're not going into a dark moment for the church, that we're going to see open doors. We're going to see God move in this nation. We're going to see the power of God hit this nation again in a mighty, mighty revival. Souls will come in. People will be changed by the power of God without question. And I'm standing on that. And we've been declaring that the last six months of this year will be the greatest that we've ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I'm believing that for you and your family as well. And so although, that's why I want to encourage you today, although there are people who hate the body of Christ, they're trying to stop it and stand against the body of Christ, you cannot shut down the church. You can't even put the church into trouble. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you today. It doesn't matter what the devil has tried to do to destroy the church. He cannot destroy the church of God. Not while Jesus is the head of the church. And he's not going to be fired. He's not going to be laid off. He doesn't go on vacation. Jesus is the head of the church. He's building his church. And we're being strengthened to do what we've been called to do. And so I want to pray at the end of this broadcast for every one of you that are watching and ask the Lord to not only strengthen you, but to open extremely favorable doors for you at the end of this year. We continue to confess this will be the greatest ending to a year that we've ever had in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We will not and cannot fail, but we will be victorious. I love to quote the scripture, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He he causes us to always triumph in his name. We always triumph in his name. And so I want you to be encouraged today. And I'm going to pray for you right now and ask the Lord to open doors of favor in your life in these last five and a half months of 2020. So I want you to lift your hands. I want you to join me and believe God. These will be the greatest days you've ever seen. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man. I pray for every woman that's watching or listening. And I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name to bless them. Lord, even though 
we've been hated, even though we've been persecuted, even though there are those that are standing against the people of God, we take authority over every attack of the enemy that's been launched against the church, and we declare doors of opportunity are opening. We declare right now that the most favorable, the most favorable situations we've ever seen are coming to us now. Doors are opening. We are going to be a blessing to our generation. We will have more than enough. Opportunities are coming. We thank you, Lord, that we'll be more fruitful in the final months of this year than we've been in the history of our lives in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you praise and glory for that in Jesus' wonderful name. We love you and we give you praise and we give you honor in the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, somebody throw some fire in the comments section and uh, and shout aloud, amen, wherever you are. I'm telling you, I feel stirred up, man. I feel stirred up. God is going to do something powerful for every one of us. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I feel like running around this room because God's moving. We're seeing the largest blessings we've ever seen, ever, ever. And I've got some testimonies coming for you very soon. I can't wait to share. I can't wait to share. And the testimonies are coming in from you guys. And I want to say thank you. Can I give you an awesome testimony? We were just in Tomball, Texas uh, on Sunday and uh, we had some of our old friends try, uh, drive in to be a part of the meeting on Sunday morning, uh, Isaac and Amanda Gates, that we knew from Virginia Beach from when I was with my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, and they were there for the meeting. And while the, the power of God was moving, uh, he Isaac had been in a car accident two years ago and hurt his leg, and he had pain in his leg. And his wife was saying <clears throat> that, because they, you know, they, they, they walk the streets and do, uh, they sell things door to door, uh, through Vivint at the end of a, a walking day, uh, his leg would be so painful. She said, I used to have to rub his leg down and put essential oils and all kinds of stuff. And he even had just purchased a Segway to see if that would help with the pain at the end of the day. And he'd be able to, uh, you know, ride, ride instead of walk. But on Sunday morning, he testified and they sent us a text message that the power of God hit him on Sunday and all of the pain from that car accident left his leg supernaturally and he was healed by the power of God. And we just had one testimony after another. It's been phenomenal. You're going to experience testimonies as well because God's on the move and he's working on behalf of those that are pressing in into his glory and into his power. And uh, Jenna said, the pain is still gone. Check that out. God is moving on his people. And so I'm just, I'm telling you, God is moving and now's the time to press in and to get what God has for you. Be encouraged. It's available for you today. So receive your miracle in the mighty name of Jesus and don't let anybody talk you out of your faith. Don't let anybody make you believe you can't have what God said is already yours. Reach out and take it in the mighty name of Jesus. Before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to sow a seed uh, those of you that are watching, those that are listening on the podcast, um, can you can you believe it? We're about to hit 300,000 downloads of the podcast. It's amazing to me. Three Over a quarter of a million downloads on the podcast. Um, we want to encourage you to sow a seed. I want to encourage you to partner with this ministry and stand with us on a monthly basis. You can very easily do that on miracleword.com. Now we've upgraded so that you can set up your own account right on the website 
and manage your giving, your sowing, the frequency of your giving. Uh, if you'd like to change the amount of your monthly seed, it's all easily done at miracleword.com. If you click on the give page and you'll see at the top that you can sign in or create an account. And uh, if you need help, you can always talk to Jenna, Jenna at miracleword.com. She can help if you need help walking through it, but it's very easy to do. And uh, thank you, Tracy, for sowing a seed. You can use hashtag donate in the comments as Tracy just did. You can use cash app. The, uh, the uh, cash tag is MWGive. PayPal is available. Venmo is available. But let me encourage you. Pray and ask the Lord, what is it that I could do on a monthly basis to stand with Miracle Word and believe God for increase as we touch the world together with the power of God? And for everybody that stands with us this month uh, at $85 or more, we're going to be sending you this powerful book by Dr. John Evanzini, Rich God, Poor God, explaining how Jesus could not have been cursed. He could not have been poor. He was blessed because of his obedience to his father's word and his faithfulness to live a holy life. And so that's our gift to you. And then, of course, everybody that is standing with us at $1,000 or more, we're going to send you also a hard copy of the Further Faster book that's just been released, uh, as well as a genuine leather edition of the Life Application Study Bible. And we say a big thank you to everybody that's sewing, those that are partnering. We love you guys very, very much and uh, and appreciate you. Those of you that sew and you'd like to receive those books each month when we produce an offer, for example, that uh, book by Dr. John Evanzini, here's what we need you to do. If you'd like to receive that book for your gifts that you're sewing, we want you to go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And when you do, you can fill out the form so that we have your address. We know where you sowed your seed uh, because some of those platforms don't give us your address when you sow. So in order for you to receive it, we need to know that you're requesting it and we have your proper address to send it to. Also, don't forget, Emmy's asking, what Bible or study Bible do you recommend? A couple. Um, I love the Dakes notes uh, in the Bible. If you've, if you've ever seen a Dakes study Bible, uh, I love that one. Um, I really like the Life Application Study Bible that we send out. Uh, I have an apologetic study Bible uh, in the ESV version, which I love. And so there's there's a few that, that we recommend, but I, I really look at those quite a bit. Uh, Life Application Study Bible. Another one I really like that I picked up recently is called the Net Bible, the New English Translation. And it comes with like 60,000 translators notes, which is like such an amazing resource. Um, you can check that out. It's called the net Bible N E T, uh, with translators notes. That thing is amazing to look through, but that Dake study Bible has so many resources. It'll blow your mind. Uh, and I actually do recommend that you get the digital version. I use Bible tree, olive, uh, olive tree Bible reader, I should say. Uh, on the phone and the computer and the iPad because they have a bookstore and you can get the Dakes notes in the bookstore digitally. Uh, probably the best purchase I've ever made digitally because those Dakes Bibles are thick and the print is tiny because there's just so many notes. So um, Billion's asking, when will the Strong, Smart, and Set Apart tumblers be back in stock? I think they're in stock now, actually. If you go to the website, uh, and we even have new colors billion 
the the purple and the green. And so, um, yeah, I think I think they're already. I don't think they ever went out of stock. I think we just changed the colors from pink and blue to purple and green, but they're available as well as all the shirts uh, that we put out for the kids for the summer. All of those are available as well on the website. And um, let me say this. If you don't get our magazine, let me encourage you. Grab a copy digitally of this one and sign up to get the next one, which will be out for the fall uh, in the month of what, October? And so you're not going to want to miss it. This one here is the best one we've ever put out. Uh, It'll build your faith. Let me encourage you. Go to miracleword.com forward slash live and sign up to get your copy. You will not be sorry that you did. Thanks to everybody that's sewing today and standing with us and um, believing God. Once again, let me make mention, don't forget to get your copy of Carolyn's brand new book, Bam! Lines. Look at that. Confessions that create boundaries your enemy cannot cross. 40-day devotional to build your faith. And uh, this thing will bless you immensely. Just came out. It's been selling like better than any of my books. She's beating me. Not jealous. Not jealous. I'm proud. Proud of my wife. She did a great job. This is a very powerful book. Get your copy. If you'd like to get a bulk order for maybe your small group, church groups, whatever you've got, Please let us give you a discount on that, and we will do that. Uh, All you need to do is send an email to jenna at miracleword.com, and we will give you bulk pricing uh, if you're ordering a bunch for maybe your church or your ladies' group, small group, whatever it might be. We want to bless you, and uh, I love you very much. Thanks for hanging with me. I will be back in the morning, 10.30 a.m. before I fly out from New York. Don't miss it. I have a word for you tomorrow in the morning. I love you. Have a great day, guys, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.